and welcome back to another episode of Your Pocket Nurse, a podcast for student and graduate nurses. I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the original owners of the land on which I am recording on today. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode. Today I am joined by Georgia or you might know her as Nurse Sibs on Instagram and I'm super excited to have her here. We're going to talk all about um, cardiology, um, grad years and about her um, clinical nurse specialist role as well which I think is very interesting to sort of explore like other options like once you start progressing in your career and you know how you can upskill and things like that. So hello. Hi sister, thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me. I wanted to say something I don't know about you, but I feel like sister is such a cardiology thing. <laughs> it probably is. Like I remember when I started my grad year, literally everyone, like even the boys on our ward would call people sister. Yeah. And like it's just stuck through and like, yeah, like I, I call everyone sister. I call doctors sister. I call like <laughs> my friend's sister. Like it's literally just burnt into my brain now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it definitely is a cardiology thing, I think. <laughs> yeah, because when I was um, doing pool, I worked on lots of different wards and no one said sister. And then I came to cardiology and everyone <laughs> said sister. And at first I was a little scared. I was like, oh, my gosh. There's like a few nurses where like every second word is sister. I think a bit like you. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was like, maybe it's a cardiology thing because you always say sister too. And I love it. Yeah. No, I, I, I like, I think it's so cute when patients say it, like little old patients when they're like, excuse me, sister. And you're like, oh, oh hello, well, darling. They... Like, let me help you in every way possible. <laughs> well, that's so cute. Maybe they're like, because I said it to my yeah. friend. I was like, oh, like, you know, it's sister. Like, everyone says it. And she's like, well, are they saying it like as in like a, a like you know how nurses were like a lot of them were nuns back in the day? Um, yeah, I think that that's like where a it sister comes from. nun thing, or is it like a sister brother type thing? Like I don't know what the <laughs> what, where it's coming from. Yeah, I definitely think it's like the old school like nurses were sisters, so then that's yeah. where it's like stemmed from. And then I think like us just being millennials have just made it like a thing, and now yeah. it's just a thing that everyone does. <laughs> yeah. Either way, it's it's nice to have you, sister. I still sometimes like catch myself saying it. And I'm like, what? This, is this part of my vocab now? I hope people don't think that it's like a cringy thing because, like, I genuinely like I say it all the time and to everyone. So I yeah. hope they're not like, oh my god, like she's so lame. She says sister and she works in cardiology. Like, no, no, definitely not. I just feel like for me, I've never said it, and now I'm like saying it so much more at work, and I'm like, oh. I never say oh, this in I'm normal in life. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, thanks for coming on. No, thanks for having me. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, it's um, it's really great. Like you know, it's like conversation, chatting to a friend. Like these episodes get sometimes. I feel it's really nice. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I think you've done very well with your podcast so far. Oh, thank you, sister. If <laughs> <laughs> we should take a shot for every time we say sister in this yeah. episode. <laughs> Make it a drinking game. <laughs> Literally. Um, so I usually start the um, episode with like three general questions um, sort of so we can get to know everyone. Um, the first one is like why did you become a nurse? And if you weren't a nurse, what job do you think you'd have? That's a great question. Um, I became a nurse mostly to do with my mum. So when I was like 
towards the end of high school, um, my mum was really unwell and she ended up having a lung transplant a few years ago. So she was oh, wow. like, yeah, she was very, very sick for a period mm. of time. Um, and when I would go to the hospital and see her, um, I just remember like this one day where there was really nice nurses that were like obviously really passionate and like, you know, gave my mum a lot of time. Like, and like especially with her, like her main issue was short of, shortness of breath on exertion from having mm-hmm. like no lung capacity. So like it took her longer to do a lot of things because she couldn't breathe. Mm. So the nurses that were like, you know, get were patient with her and very nice to her, like obviously I loved them. And then the nurses that were just not as like, compassionate or they were like hurrying her or just like a little bit I don't know like I don't want to say less caring but just not as like um nurturing yeah I just remember seeing those two sort of styles of nursing and just thinking like if I was a nurse I would make sure that I was a good one and I would really like just be in it for the right reasons I guess yeah and yeah, then like coming out of high school when I was like, I have no idea what I want to do with my life after like having a bit of a, gra- uh, a gap year, um, I was kind of like, well, I did say that thing about like being a nurse and I do find like, you know, the human body and like the mind very interesting. So I kind of just was like, well, maybe I'll try to be a nurse. <laughs> yeah, um, that's really yeah. nice. Yeah, because I guess, you know, some people, you know, have that sort of not calling, but, you know, they have that experience um, and they're like, you know what, I can I can do this and I think, you know, I'd be, you know, just as good as like a really nice nurse they've once met or then it is like you yeah. see, you know, a not so lovely nurse and you think, oh, there should be some more nice nurses in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, how is your mum, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, no, she's good. So she had her, so she had a double lung transplant um about five years ago now just over five years Mm -hmm. um and yeah no she's great she's she's amazing like she's like a whole new person um she went went from like not being able to walk like or do really anything like no housework or anything without like being like extremely short of breath to now just living like a normal life so yeah Yeah. she's amazing it's so nice to see yeah that's really good and it's you know it's you know so interesting like transplants I think are just crazy like right? in general They're you know, mind-blowing like, yeah I just think that's so interesting like how it all happens um I'd love to like explore it more in the future yeah um, but yeah no it's really nice to see like the type of work we do and then you know I feel like when you see in a family member you can see like how much better that makes it you know yeah definitely and everything definitely and I think like um you know having that experience of seeing someone that you love in hospital and being genuinely unwell and seeing the difference that like people caring for them makes it Mm -hmm. like it genuinely guides like I guess like my practice daily you know like sometimes if I like I'm at work and I can't I think to myself like oh I can't be bothered like doing whatever it is and I just think like if that was my mum like I would want someone to put in the effort to help me or to go the extra mile or, you know, like just the little things I think that often get overlooked as a nurse. I try not to overlook those things because in my mind I'm always like if this was my mum, like how would I want her to be treated? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's really important that, yeah, sometimes like, you know, people like have a shit day at work and um, (laughs) and I feel like then you can sort of see that coming out on their 
you know, how they're treating their patients. And it's like, you know, I feel like, you know, we all need to have that reminder in our head, like how would we want to be treated if we were the patient or our family members and things like that? It's like, it's like the basics of nursing, like being nice. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, but, oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, and what was the second part? What would I do you, if I wasn't yeah. nice? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I've always, so before I did nursing, I did a semester of psychology because, Mm -hmm. you know, in high school, they're like pushing you to find your forever career and go to uni straight away. And I was like, I don't really know what I want to do, but like, I find the brain and behavior interesting. So I was like, okay, I'll just be a psychologist, (laughs) which, you know, that lasted all of a semester. Um, But I think like the underlying theme of everything that I like in life is helping people. So I don't know exactly what I would do if I wasn't a nurse, but I, it somehow would have to involve people. Um, and I've always really liked sort of creative things and like the entrepreneurial kind of things. Like, so yeah, I don't, I don't know like an exact thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a terrible answer, but yeah, I don't know. I'd no, just wing it and find something and, and make it work. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, I feel like, yeah, if you, you know, fallen in love with nursing and then it's like, well, I've never really considered anything else, um, you know, seriously, that's that's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, do you think, like, you're working in cardiology at the moment, do you mm-hmm. think this is sort of your forever role or, like, what other areas of nursing do you want to explore or eventually work in or do you think you've found it? Um, I definitely am like a cardiac snob now, hundred percent. Like I, I think, I think like, because cardiac is such a in-depth area, there's so many different kind of avenues that you can take that fall under like cardiac kind of care. So like at the moment, yeah, like at the moment being in like cardiac day procedures, um, it's all cath lab related, but it's not, I don't mm. actually work in cath lab. But then in like a few years time or whenever, if I sort of got over this area, I could maybe explore like heart failure more or transplants more or mm-hmm. like I just feel like there's so many ways that you can branch off from cardiology. And because I've been in it for so long and I like genuinely love it so much, I don't think I would work in any other <laughs> area. Yeah, I think I've, yeah, I think cardiac is sort of my, my niche. <laughs> yeah. And I think I've realized that so much more like working in cardiology that there is so many different things. Like we've got um, cardiac rehab nurses, like heart mm. failure nurses, um, you know, we don't do transplants, but yeah, as you say, like there's so many different like areas um to sort of specialize and go further within the area that I think yeah people forget like that there's just so much or like don't know until they get to that um area but there's like so many different little like jobs once you've found what you enjoy yeah definitely like not everything is just you know being on a ward like Mm -hmm. yeah you said it perfectly in cardiac there's like outpatient clinics there's community nurses there's like nurse practitioners and Um, cardiac rehab nurses heart failure nurses like there's so many options that you can have within that umbrella of like an area that you like and I'm sure in other specialties there is that as well um yeah it just doesn't doesn't have to be you know you work on a ward or you're not a nurse kind of thing yeah exactly because I feel like many people just think of like you know in a few years time you become like an a-num and then you might become a 
a um, numb and that's sort of like the management side but yeah Mm -hmm. there's a whole other side of like the behind the scenes where often like you sort of have to wait for someone to leave their role to take it up um you know it can be a bit more competitive but heaps of nurses I've worked with are like oh the dream is to be a the cardiac rehab nurse and I was like oh okay (laughs) interesting yeah I think as like when you're new in your career I think you know, ward nursing is awesome and you learn so much being a ward nurse. But in all honesty, like shift work after a while, I don't like I don't know how people genuinely don't know how people do shift work for like a really long portion of their mm-hmm. career because like, you know, having work-life balance and like I was joking about this on my story last night about working five days straight and I have, haven't have worked five days straight in honestly years. Like I, yeah. you know, work maybe three days in a row, have one day off, work one day on, and I don't work weekends usually. Yeah. Um, and, like, that works p- perfectly for me, you know. Like I still get the – I still get to work in an area that I genuinely love and it ticks all the boxes for me when I'm at work. Like there's, like, the critical care element, there's the education element, there's so many things about it that I love. But also, like, I don't – I'm not completely wrecked after my days and mm. – I have the time off to do other things that I like to do and spend time with people that I, you know, that I love and like see my friends and do all those things. And I think sometimes shift work, well, definitely shift work, oftentimes it's very hard to navigate other areas of your life. And I think that's Mm. why a lot of people want to get into those other kind of roles, like like the cardiac rehab nurses or maybe like the um, outpatient clinic nurses because, you know, they have the more um, like – better hours I guess yeah and I think like um like for me right now because like you know I still live at home and like all that sort of jazz and you know obviously you know I don't have kids and all that (laughs) but like I cannot imagine doing shift work with like young kids like it just blows my mind like hats off to everyone that does it and you know yeah I'll be doing it too because who knows what where I'll end up but I just think it would be so difficult. Like you would miss out on a lot of things and doing night shifts, like with kids. Like I don't know. Yeah. I just think it's, it's hard. Like, yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes it makes me a bit sad because I'm like, oh, I don't want to have to give up, you know, that whole aspect of my life, you know, just for work. I don't know. Yeah. I get a bit no, deep definitely. into thinking about it. But <laughs> at the moment, shift works all right. Like, you know, yeah. I have like four days off. Um, and I'm just like living my life and then I'll be doing, you know, four night shifts and that'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it's just good to always keep in the back of your mind that you have options. And that's like one of the most amazing things about nursing is there is so many options, mm-hmm. so many different jobs that like, if you're working in, in, you know, a shift workplace or, or any, any sort of area. And for some reason it doesn't mesh with the other areas of your life and that's sort of stressing you out or it's you know impacting you negatively just change like there's so many other things that you can do and it's not a reflection on you negatively at all if you decide to you know stop doing shift work or maybe you decide to stop doing shift work but then you actually change your mind and you miss it and you go back like who cares change your mind as many times as you want um Mm -hmm. yeah there's just there's you know you have to remember that your other parts of your life are just as important as your job and helping other people so yeah yeah very important yeah thanks for that and I wanted to ask like what has been your like ultimate favorite clinical experience um whether it be at placement or at work um 
Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think probably <laughs> probably the most memorable clinical experience would be when I was a grad in my probably maybe in my second six months, but it was like over a 12-month rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was covering someone's break and a patient had – just buzzed and I went in and they were like oh I'm just I feel a bit hot and they asked me to move like they had like a little pedestal fan in their room mm-hmm. and they're like can you move like the fan to this side I was like yeah sure move the fan and I was like you, like is that better and they were like oh I don't know I feel a bit weird and like something in my gut was like oh no like something bad is about to happen and I don't know why but I just felt like when they said that something was about to go down and this person had uh like they went into torsades so they yeah and I was like the only person in the room which for people that aren't cardiac that's like a cardiac arrest it's a um, vf arrest and I was the only person in the room and they were like in in the chair next to the bed like I just literally yelled out press the buzzer and like my nurse in charge came in and then like as everyone started coming in to like respond to the code, I literally just backed out of the room because mm. I just didn't understand what was happening. And yeah. like I remember afterwards like one of the CCRNs who is now one of my good friends, he came up to me and he was like, hey, like do you understand what just happened? And I was like, actually, no. And yeah. he was like, okay, like yeah, I was literally like, no, I actually have no idea what just happened. And it was like a proper code. Like, mm. yeah, it was super intense. There was so much happening. And then he, like, explained torsades to me. He explained, like, why they had gone into that rhythm, why they had done certain interventions in the code. And, like, like that was just, like, such a moment in my career where I was just like, wow, like, it's okay that you don't know what's going on. Like, because, like, at the time I was like, oh, yeah, like, Like I just remember saying to him like, you know, at uni when they teach you about someone, you know, like a a code situation, it's always the same scenario. They always say like you come into the room and like you find Bob on the floor and he's unresponsive. Like you shake Bob, you get no response. Like it's always like that same generic like and then you press the buzzer and then this happens whereas this was just like intense and messy and it happened so quick and like, yeah. I don't know, it, it was just like, it was just like, like, but like in a good way, like I see it as a good experience because mm-hmm. having, having like then a debrief with like the um, ICU team and everything afterwards and then being like all the senior nurses were like, oh, you did so well. And I was like, I literally yelled out like a scared child. And then I backed out of the room. Like I didn't do anything. And they were like, no, no, like you, you were there, you called for help. And we came and we fixed the situation. And, like, Mm. I don't know, like, it was just a thing where I was like, okay, like, it's okay. You don't know what's going on. It's okay that that was scary. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just I learned a lot in that day and I will never forget it. (laughs) No, I can imagine. Like, that would have been intense. But that's a bit like me. Like, I can sort of handle, like, what I call, like, a soft met call or something, you know. And then when it – and then it sometimes – there's a met call and it's just next level and I'm like, oh, look, I, I can't do this. And you know what? It's it's totally normal and, like, that's why you get other people to come and help you, you know, and yeah, that's definitely. why on the ward, like, they um, 
skill mix or the nurses because like you know if you've never been in that experience before then how are you going to know what to do because yeah like you say those textbooks and scenarios they don't really teach you that real life stuff so yeah it's like I like learn from experience so like 100% yeah like I've had a few that it's like just so intense and I just felt so useless because (laughs) like I didn't know what to do but then they're like no that's okay like you know all you need to do is escalate concerns and then you know someone's going to help you and like with my ward we've got the CCU connected to us so like obviously all those nurses have done postgrad so they're you know super knowledgeable and just you know so on the ball like you know there's this one nurse and she like gets in there and she knows exactly what to do (laughs) and I'm just like oh you're amazing (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) I think it's time for me to go now (laughs) yeah um but yeah, it's yeah, that's a really like interesting experience to have as a grad and yeah, you know, I'm sure it made you like, you know, now you realize like how important, you know, that rhythm is and like, you know, what needs to be done and all that. Yeah, stuff, definitely. You know? And even just having like like the, you know, the um CCRN that came up to me afterwards. I was like, "Do you understand what happened?" And I was like, "Actually, no." And then he went through everything and like him explaining it all like because I was watching the code then as he was explaining like this is why we did this and this is why we did that and you'll notice when this happened then the patient responded in this way and just having someone really clearly explain exactly what happened sort of like just after it happened I don't know I just had a I have a really um like I think that's what made me really value um sort of educating people Mm -hmm. because yeah, it's so easy in those crazy situations for like everything to happen and then everyone just disperses and goes back to what they were doing before. And then there's the little baby grad, which was me in that situation, just being like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, yeah. And so, yeah, I guess that just taught me in my own practice that like, if I can, if I understand what's happening with someone um, and I can see that someone else maybe doesn't understand just teach them and just explain to them in normal people words what's going on because they will learn from that. Um, and with like met calls, like I always tell um, when we have junior staff or, you know, new staff or, or whatever in our sort of area because I think people get very intimidated by cardiac sometimes mm-hmm. because they think that people are going to expect them to know all the rhythms and all the ECGs and all the meds and all that stuff. Um and I just always say to them, like, if you're in a met call or something like that, just pick the thing that you can do. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really good at putting cannulas in. So, like, we had a met call recently, like, and it, like, was crashed. They crashed hard and fast. Mm-hmm. And that was an overwhelming situation for all of us, um, even though we're all, we were all experienced nurses on. And then I just sort of, as soon as someone was like, we need two more cannulas. I was like, boom, I'll do those. I can do those easy. Like (laughs) then I know that I'm doing something. I know that I'm being helpful and I feel confident in it. So like it's okay to sort of just grab onto the thing that you know that you'll be good at because like, yeah, they're overwhelming situations at the best of times, let alone if someone's like, hey, can you draw up like this big infusion that you've like never drawn up and you know it's time precious and there's just so much pressure on you. So yeah yeah no I agree and I think sometimes it's like 
like just asking because someone will sort of naturally make themselves a team sort of leader. Usually yeah. sometimes like the ICU nurse um, or whatever, whoever comes in there usually I find sort of the one that knows like what needs to be done and everything. And like if you don't know what to do, say like is there anything I can do? And sometimes they'll be like, oh, can you do this? Or another nurse will yeah. like, oh, actually do this. Or they might be like, you know what, we've actually got enough people in here. Like I think it's, you know, we don't need any more people in here. And then yeah. You know, that way it's sort of like you know that they're under control and you can like go back and look after your own patients because yeah. sometimes like people just standing around there like looking scared yeah. <laughs> and doing nothing. And not actually helping. Like doesn't do anything. Like I know sometimes yeah. I've been like that and I'm like, I don't think I can help you guys at all. No. I'm just going to go back. Yeah. And help like, it literally takes someone to be like, how about you go see if everyone else on the ward's okay? And you're like, oh, yeah, there's 20 other patients here. Like, <laughs> great idea. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yep, literally. Yeah, really good points. Um, So do you mind telling me a bit about your journey into nursing? Like how did you get into it? Like how many years did you study? Um, How many years have you worked as a nurse and what rotations you did in your grad year and things like that? Um, So I... So I'm originally from Queensland and mm-hmm. I moved to Melbourne like uh, I think it was like a June or July and at that point I hadn't even got into uni here for nursing. So I was just like I'll move to Melbourne, I'll apply to a few different unis and hopefully because we don't, I don't even know what scoring you guys use for grade 12 but we used or we used to use OP scores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've I got eight hours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like it was a bit confusing when I first moved here like I wasn't sure if like how everything transcribed over or whatever. So I was just like, I'll just apply to a few. And like, even if I hate Melbourne in that six months, I can always just move home and then go to uni there and just wing it. I was really just winging life at this point when I was in my like very, very early twenties and late teens. Um, But anyway, I got into Deakin and then, yeah. And then, yes, I did my three years RN um, I was really lucky that I got to go on a study tour to Bhutan in the Himalayas. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Yeah, which was, like, obviously amazing, like such a once-in-a-lifetime experience, which was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did, after the first year of uni, I did a fellowship. So the rest of my placements um, after first year were all within the one sort of health service and mm-hmm. through that I worked out that I wanted to work for, well I was already kind of sure I wanted to work for that health service but I wasn't certain because where I come from there's literally one public hospital and one private hospital and so oh, wow. when I got to Melbourne and I could see that there was like even the fact that there was like multiple universities multiple public and private hospitals I was like oh my god like how is anyone meant to know where they want to work or yeah like it was just super overwhelming but I somehow worked out that I wanted to potentially work within this health service so I did a fellowship and then all of my placements um, most of them were acute plus like some community-based ones like I didn't actually do an aged care placement I don't think which I only realised like the other day when I was talking to another student nurse. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, got my first – so for my grad year, because I had done a fellowship with One Health Service and was hoping and intending to get my grad year with them, 
I decided to only apply for I think it was maybe one other hospital. Oh, um, okay. yeah. All of the eggs in one basket? Well, I, I figured it was like 50-50. I thought if I yeah. put all my eggs literally in that one basket, I was just asking for like for the universe to be like, girl, I'm going to bring you back down to earth and you are not going to get a grad year. So I was like, I'll apply to at least another hospital. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I applied for two more. I can't remember. But I didn't bother doing any of the private hospitals because I knew that I didn't want to work in a private hospital. So, yeah. And then I got my first preference of hospital and my first preference of cardiology and it was a 12-month rotation. So I stayed there the whole time. Interesting. Yes. So lucky you loved it. I know. <laughs> I know. I was pretty I like yeah, I was pretty confident that I would just because at uni, like when we when we learnt in like anatomy and physiology about the heart, I just like I just understood it. I I kind of clued on that I got it a little bit quicker um than like some of my other friends. Like I don't know, it just like made sense in my head and I remember mm-hmm. other people being like, I don't understand like the chambers and where the blood goes and the valves. And I was like, oh, I kind of do get that. And I find it really interesting. And so, I don't know, I just kind of felt like, yeah, I would genuinely like cardiac um, and like crit care kind of vibes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I really enjoyed it. Amazing. Um, and like tell me more about why you love cardiac nursing because I find it really nice to listen to like people's passions um, and, you know, let them talk about why they love the area. So, is it the anatomy and physiology that really draws you to cardiology? Um, I like part of it definitely is like it, <laughs> like ECGs. Honestly, it blows my mind still to this day that we can put little dots all over people's chests and get on a piece of paper the electrical conduction of someone's heart like that just blows Mm. my mind and the fact that like our heart has its own cells that can um, just naturally on their own create electricity to continually beat for our whole lives like that amazes me Um, and just like I don't know if this like if this sounds weird but I just think like literally if our heart doesn't work and is dead like we're dead you know Mm -hmm. like we could you can be brain dead I hate sorry that that's like an offensive way to say that but Mm. you can you know not have any brain capacity and be you know what some people might say a vegetable but if your heart's still pumping like you're technically still alive whereas like if your heart goes you know there's nothing and so I I think I find that and I think a lot of people understand like patients like they stress a lot about their heart health so if something happens to their heart um I really, because I have a good understanding of it, I like that I can then explain to patients and their families in ways that they understand exactly what's happened to their heart and like why it's happened and how we can, you know, or how they can sort of make sure it doesn't happen again or, you know, like those kinds of things because people have quite a lot of um, mental health, like flow on effects of their mental health when it comes to having something like a heart attack or being told mm-hmm. they need to have CAGs or something like that. And, yeah, like, I think just, yeah, just because I understand the heart well and I have that element like I was talking about before of, like, people being patient with my mum and, like, taking the time to, you know, give her time when she was unwell, like, those two things combined for me are very rewarding and I really love 
sitting down with patients like when they you know like getting their procedure reports or when they get told that they have to have bypass surgery and you know we're not going to send them home to wait for their surgery because it's too dangerous like explaining Mm. those things to them in like a really gentle and compassionate way and also sort of like um like reassuring them and almost inspiring them that like yes it's daunting and scary that you know you didn't think there was anything wrong with you and it turns out you have like severe triple vessel disease and one of these arteries could block at any minute and therefore we're not going to let you leave the hospital um Mm. But then sort of inspiring them to be like, it's amazing that you're actually here because now we can fix it. And when you get home after your surgery, you know, you'll be a new man and you'll feel great and you'll be able to do all these things that you might not have even realized that you couldn't do before. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess, and I, yeah, I just, I just nerd out really hard <laughs> on the heart <laughs> in general. Like when, when I started learning about electrophysiology, like um, AF and like ablations and mm-hmm. that stuff just in more detail even that I was like this is insane like yeah. like how do people how do doctors like learn this stuff like who thought that if you like put a catheter up into someone's heart and burnt some little areas inside of the heart that would stop the electrical conduction and therefore you've fixed like AF like I know it's what? absolutely crazy like when right? you think really hard about <laughs> yeah some of those things I'm just like Wow. Like, how did they get there? Like, <laughs> literally, thought of that. <laughs> it's it's so bizarre. Like all the surgeries and procedures that like are done these days. I just think it's it's I don't know. It's a bit of like a privilege that I understand like what's going on. I think yeah. you know, as nurses, like you know, we like we understand you know so much of what's going on, and just because like we might not be doing the direct procedure doesn't mean any less of us but I just think it's just so amazing that like we know what's going on and like just that sort of like you know what do they say like you know knowledge is power and all that sort of thing I just think yeah yeah it's just very interesting and that's where I think it's like it's amazing to then be able to help people that don't have that knowledge yeah Mm -hmm. because like patients will come into to my area and we'll be like oh what procedure are you here for and they're like I actually don't know I don't know and and we're like okay um well this is what we're doing this is why we're doing it and if we find this this is what we're going to do and they're just like what like Mm -hmm. because yeah they just there's yeah issues yeah with, because I guess. sometimes the um the doctors go blah 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 blah, blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. okay sign here okay cool we'll see you on the day and they're like what and then yeah, literally yes it's yep. like we go through it you know and really like explain it sort of in that simple language and like make it make sense um yeah 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 it's good um it's a bit off topic but I was on um Facebook last night and I saw that there's like a um, cosmetic surgeon that's a bit under fire like he was on four corners last night did you see that I didn't see it but literally before we started recording this podcast I saw um him on Instagram Mm -hmm. and all of these people like messaging him and saying like they they're on his side and like yeah he's amazing like what what was the story well yeah well um like he's a cosmetic surgeon so he's not like a plastic surgeon which I think is like a red flag I don't really know um to be honest but he's a dermatologist by I suppose trade if you would say that mm-hmm. um so yeah he like works he has lots of different clinics and he works out of like day procedure places I believe mm-hmm. but I think he was under fire because 
um, like of like poor sterility and he was like making nurses take home like um, what's it called? Um, oh, my brain's gone. But like <laughs> fat, you know, with the fat injections, you know, what's it called? I forgot. The oh, word. like um, not like syringes. The oh, yeah. yeah. Like it's syringes full of fat, like to make the nurses take it home before he was audited and all this stuff. Anyway, um, like, and like other people might have gotten sepsis because he did a poor job. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is <laughs> I then went into this rabbit hole of like looking through his Instagram and I was like, what the hell is this liposuction? Like, I was just like, this is bizarre. Like, you know, like, I just think it's very random thought, but like the surgeries are so crazy. Like, you know, they're like, some of them, they're like tummy tucks and they're like, there was this one video, you know, a bit of trigger warning, people don't like yeah. to hear gory stuff, but he like cut their stomach and like took out like, like, like the, um, Okay, this is all very bad terminology. Not the skin, take out the stomach, you know, if you cut the skin. I always say that. Um, but, you know, and then removed, like, the skin and then, like, you could see the muscle and fat. And oh. I was like, is this what the inside of a body looks like? I was like, ew. I was like, thank God I'm not a theatre nurse. Like, I could not stand looking at that. Oh, He's, my like, God, no. pulling at the skin and, like, opening it up and, like, They're doing so some, rough. like, fake belly button stuff. And I was like, what is this? Anyway, it just made me think of the surgeries and made me realize how many like weird surgeries there are out there. Like not weird, but like like how who thought of this? Yeah, you know? right. Like, like I even I always think that about transplants. Like I'm always mm-hmm. like, who who was like, okay, let's just get like a heart out of this person who doesn't need it anymore and put it in this person and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like crazy. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's really amazing, like, everything that can be done. Like, my mum's had a bone marrow transplant and I just think, like, it's just so crazy, like, you know, all the cells and how Mm. they find the matches and how they, like, you know, then transplant that bone marrow and everything. Like, it's just just crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. Medicine's, like, just incredible. I know. And it's getting better. Like, it's only getting better. That's, like... Exactly. Like imagine in 50 or 100 years from now what they'll be able to do. Literally. And, like, I always think, like, when we're, like, you know, old nurses and, um, like, <laughs> like back in like, our day. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, oh, wow, we used to do it like this. And, you know, but right now everything is, like, you know, modern medicine and, like, things are only going to get better, which excites me so much because it's, like, yeah. what can get better, you know, like, yeah. necessarily, saw- like, what else is there? I saw a meme the other day about um, like finally giving us wireless ECG. Like, oh my god! Because yes. it's it's a thing, right? Like they mm. actually have it. I'm like, can you please give it to us? There nothing infuriates me more than someone that's like, I've got chest pain, and you literally spend five minutes trying to untangle the ECG leads mm. to capture the ECG. Like, just let me wave a wand over them. Like, it's a. I know it's possible. Let it happen. And that will be a thing where, like, in 50 years we'll be like, back in my day, like, we had these ECG leads and they were different colours and we had to put them in the right spots and, like, nurses will be like, what? Like, wow, you guys are so old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, like, my um, number one conversation starter, like, in the morning when I – because we have to do daily ECGs um, and, you know, I'm just chatting to the patient. I'm like, oh, 
can't wait for the day when we've got like you know wireless ECGs. Like I kid you not, I say that to every single patient. Oh my god, I I feel like we should we need to compile like the top like I don't know hundred. Or something of just like the one-liners that nurses use all the time because like we all crack the same jokes, we all say the same things, and like it's so funny Literally. because we all do it. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. Like, like every oh. time I discharge a patient, I'm like, "Do you know how to escape?" And they're always like, "Ha ha 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 ha," and I'm like, "It's fine. I'll show you the way out." Like, yeah. And I say it every time, but they always laugh. <laughs> Literally, my go-to line when a patient's discharged, I'm like. Nice to meet you, but I hope oh. I never see you here ever yeah. again. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. They're like, well, not here, maybe on a beach somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I know, we're so corny. Oh, they love it, though. So that's the main thing, patient satisfaction. Yeah. Yes, 100%. <laughs> um, speaking of the love of studying and everything, um, like what techniques did you use when you were starting studying the cardiovascular system? Um. I, what did I used to do? So I'm like, a, so I'm a visual person. I'm also like a simple person. Like I need mm-hmm. things summarized in simple ways. So I used to watch like YouTube videos and then also I find it like the, the best way that I um, consolidate things in my mind is by like explaining it. Mm-hmm. So even if like with something like the blood flow through the heart, um, I would like, you know, read about it, read it a couple of times and then just say it out loud. And obviously any parts that I would get stuck on that I wasn't sure what the answer was, then I would go back and sort of re-review over that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's probably the only real like study tips I would say because I think like I guess with everything cardiac, there's so much to cover. Um, And I think to expect and I definitely expected this when I was a grad um but to expect to learn all of it in like a few hours or even a few weeks or months it's just not possible like you just need to sort of go like start with the basics and just build on that knowledge I think as you do Mm -hmm. things and I think things like placements and grad years are the perfect way to consolidate the stuff that you're learning about and build Mm -hmm. on it as you go because yeah, you won't learn everything in a day. Um, like I like obviously still don't know a lot about cardiac um, and I've been in cardiac for four years. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think just going easy on yourself and just building on it as much as you can slowly and then one day things just click in your head. A hundred percent. Like I think, I think I said this to you, but like so bundle branch blocks like you Mm. know I you know you hear it and I was like yeah I know bundle branch blocks and then like it just clicked like oh it's the you know branches in the heart that are blocked you know the bundle branches (laughs) and I was like I felt like so stupid but it's like until you have that moment where it just clicks like you're not going to get it until you get that click and you know, you can study for so long, but until it comes to that time, like, I don't know why it never clicked and then it just clicked and I was like, now it makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, yeah, I think with that, like like you said, like um, videos, YouTube helped me a lot. There's mm. a lot of, like, osmosis is a yep. good YouTube. And then there's also this other YouTuber that I really like. His name is something long. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. I used find... to watch. I used to watch Khan Academy and yes. Osmosis. 
Um, um, I think they were the only two main ones. Yeah, I'll have to find it in the like I'm like on YouTube right now trying to look it up. <laughs> but um, I'll pop it in the um the the show notes. But oh yeah, yeah, I found it. Yeah, like I said, his name's very long. Armando <laughs> Hazudugan. Anyway, he nailed does, it. Yes, um, <laughs> Amanda, I think is his name. Yeah, but he does really good videos too, and super detailed. Um, mm. and like draws it all out. You know, he must use this app sort of thing. But I think those ones are the best. Like you just watch it a few times, then you make your own notes, and then yeah, I feel like then you sort of teach someone. Like I yep. find that I just you know, be like, oh, my God, Mom, like, can I yeah, like, explain this to you? Or, like, you know, I'll, you know, go to my partner and tell, you know, can I just explain this ECG to you? And he was like, yep. um, I don't understand anything. I was like, look, you don't yeah, have to understand. It's, it's for me, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's, for it's not about you, benefit. honey. <laughs> Literally. But I just think, yeah, you'll find out little tips that help you and, yeah, just find out how you study best and then go yeah, from there. Yeah, definitely. And definitely, like, I think like uh, constantly asking people to explain things to you, mm-hmm. I have found so good because someone might explain something to you and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. And then you might get someone else to explain the exact same thing and they just word it slightly differently or they draw their picture a little bit differently or mm-hmm. they give you some little trick like, you know, with this, this, this letter matches this letter and therefore it means, you know, this thing or whatever. And then you, if you know, you'll remember that, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Because sometimes I find people explain things, and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. And the whole time I'm like, I've got no idea what they're saying. Um, but I don't then be like, okay, well, I don't get it. I will get someone else to explain it, or I'll look up a different video, or yeah, because some things just don't st- sit in your brain, and then sometimes they do. <laughs> yeah, and I think also like you might not actually like remember it the first time that someone teaches you. Like I remember I had a cardiac placement last year and, you know, like I vaguely remember the nurse trying to teach me about like the ECG leads and, you know, how it corresponds to different arteries and that just went through one ear and out the other. Like it just yeah did not click back then just because it was the first time I had sort of learnt that. Mm. And then like this year when I started my rotation, like it was a bit quiet and one of the nurses was like, oh, do you want me to go through some like basic – things and I was like yeah okay and she just said it really like you know easy like Mm. it was just very simple how she told me and it was like oh my gosh like this makes sense now you know because yeah it'd been the second time that like I think it's like called muscle memory you know like you remember it for the second time and it like makes sense that time yeah yeah definitely I like when I was a grad I like (laughs) was so ambitious and I was like I want to learn ECGs like the first week I was like I want to learn ECGs and they were like that's not how it works honey like sit down (laughs) yeah um and then obviously tried to work on them throughout my grad year but it was like super intense and busy and like I developed some skills but you know not as much as I wanted and then it wasn't until my second year as a nurse where I had to um interpret people's ECGs before they would go to cath lab so every day I would look at like minimum 10 ECGs probably and like when I first started looking at them I because I couldn't yet like give a diagnosis like I Mm -hmm. you know left and right bundle branches I was like no idea 
heart blocks. I was like, well, no, not really confident. But I was like, okay, I definitely can say like if the QRS is too wide or if the PR interval is too long mm-hmm. or there's T-wave inversion or like ST elevation. So my like interpretations ended up just being like, you know, T-wave inversion in these three leads, you know, otherwise fine or whatever. And then as I did that more and more and more over 18 months, that's how I got confident and like good at interpreting ECGs. And it's a hundred percent because I did, it was repetition, you Mm -hmm. know, it was just constant practice, constant evolving. um, And I was just building on skills and just, yeah, I think the repetition is like the the major thing because you're not going to understand complex things once. No. And it's never the first time. Like, and I think it's very normal. Like, you know, I'm sure, sure, you know, like, you know, even the smartest people, they don't, they don't grasp that concept the first go like it takes time to understand so I think that people need to be less harsh on themselves because I know sometimes you know I can be like that you know wanting to understand straight (laughs) away and you just get a bit frustrated with yourself but just remember it takes time and as a grad and especially as a student like no one is expecting like anything special of you you know they just want you to ask questions like literally Mm. that's what your buddy nurse wants from you to ask you know to know that you're curious and you want to learn like that's the whole point of being on placement is to learn so yeah definitely yeah I agree and I think ECGs like they really scared me like when I was going to cardiology I know I messaged you and I was like help me (laughs) help me (laughs) like what do I need to know and like even now like my educators like you know we don't expect you to be like a professional at reading ECGs, you know, yeah. um, just like like what I often do is like because a student came up to me the other day and was like, is this ECG okay? And I was like, honey, I have no clue. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, but this is what I do. Like I just look through like each of the leads and just make sure they look okay-ish. Um, and then I go and get like the previous ECG and I sort of like just check to make sure that it looks the same as the previous one. Yeah. And then if there's anything that's sort of like flagging and I think, oh, that looks a bit odd, then I go and like escalate it to a senior nurse. And they're like, okay. And they're like, well, you know, you're the one I'm escalating this ECG <laughs> to. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so just remember you're not going to be amazing at it the first time and that's okay. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think you said like – being keen to learn is a huge thing and a standout thing in terms of like, you know, doing well on placements and like getting grad years and things like that. Like I, yeah, I think just that willingness and that initiative to seek out opportunities and to ask questions and to, yeah, just be keen. Like it, mm-hmm. it makes such a difference. Like when there's students and things that come into like our hospital, our areas or whatever, and like we know everyone's scared like every every student nurse is so scared usually to be there and that's fine but like if you're not saying anything if you're not asking questions if you're not asking to watch procedures or have a go at something like you know as as RNs especially when it's busy like we will try and involve students and we want you to learn as much as possible but, mm-hmm. like, if you're not even going to make the effort to say, like, hey, like, I'm probably not going to be that good at this, but I would love to have a go, mm-hmm. like, you'll just, I don't know, I don't know the right words to to use, but, like. You're not going to yeah. benefit from the experience if you don't seek the opportunities, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And like you said, like, no one 
is ever going to expect students or grad nurses or even nurse, you know experienced nurses but they're new in an area or whatever like no one ever expects you to know everything um, mm-hmm. but by asking questions and by um yeah seeking out opportunities and being okay with saying like I actually don't know what's going on here but I know that I need help like that's more important than anything and escalating things mm-hmm. um, to make sure your patients are safe yeah yeah I even think back to like the start of my rotation like you know I pressed the emergency buzzer for you know simple things that at the Mm -hmm. time now I think like oh I could deal with that now but at that time Mm. I was so overwhelmed and I was like oh my god like someone help me but like yeah you know it's only until you like have those experiences and be like you know now I know how to deal with chest pain or you know when shortness of breath like of course ask for help um Mm. but you know until you have those times like you don't you won't know in the top of your head like what should I do next? Because yeah. at those times I was like relying on others to guide me. Yeah. But now I feel like because I've had a similar experience, I feel like, oh, now I know what I'll do for next time. Yeah, so, definitely. And that's yeah, like so the best way to learn is even if you, if you like when we're talking about met calls before, if you have mm-hmm. a met call where you're like, oh, my God, I was just flailing and I didn't know anything and, you know, they asked me what, why my patient was in hospital and I couldn't even tell them and, like, blah, 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 and, like, you're just freaking out, just, like, sit with that experience for a minute and reflect on it and, mm-hmm. and then be like, okay, so next time, like, next time I come to work, I'm going to make sure that I can say in one sentence or less <laughs> why my hospital why my patients in hospital and what their main problem is and then like Mm -hmm. if you that's then a skill that you perfect like that's amazing it doesn't matter that it came from like a messy situation but like if you're again like constantly growing and evolving and trying to improve like you will be a phenomenal phenomenal nurse Mm -hmm. I agree and yeah it's it's repetition repetition that's all it is and especially um with like medications and things like that like I know for so long I would have to look up what clopidogrel is because I was like what is that and now it's like (laughs) I know what that is now but like because I wasn't administering it very often so when it did come up I was like "Mm, what's this one for again you Mm. know and like that's okay like if you don't know a medication like that's okay but you need to look it up before you administer it you know yeah yeah and And that happens for like experienced nurses too like when patients come when I get patients who aren't solely cardiac which obviously Mm -hmm. happens all the time and they have medications that I haven't given for a long time or I've literally never seen before like I don't let it get me down I'm just like okay well I'll just look it up before I give it like that's part of you know we're not pharmacists like (laughs) no no exactly and I think like you'd probably get lots of similar questions that I do but like a lot of people are so stressed like oh like I can't like I struggle to remember meds like what it's used for and it's like I find that it's when I was on placement as a student like with my buddy I would always go like what's the like med like what's its um like class like what's Mm -hmm. it um what am I saying? You know, like, what is it? Um, yeah. And like what its indication is. And I find yeah. that if you just keep doing that and I like do it in my head still, I say, yeah. oh, this is a this. Okay. Do I need to check the heart rate? Yep. Heart rate was fine. Happy to give. Are they going for any procedures? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And you just kind of go through each med and you kind of do that sort of ticking off thing. Like you've got someone there watching you, but you're yeah. just doing it in your head because like, 
you know, you can't know everything at the start. And I think we keep repeating that, but it's really important that, yeah. you know, we remember that. Yeah, definitely. And like, I, like, I don't know how many it's up to now, but when I was at uni, it was like the six rights of medication. I yeah. saw somewhere the other day there was like 11 or something. I'm like, this is just getting ridiculous now. But <laughs> like what you just said is basically that thing, like, what's this patient what's the medication for why am I giving it is there anything that I need to consider before I give it like you should do that every time you give meds Mm -hmm. anyway and whether that takes you you know a few minutes or like longer that's still being safe because Mm -hmm. if you give something that you don't know what it's for or you don't know like you know the major side effects that potentially could happen or whatever um and something happens to that patient and then it comes back to you and someone says well if you didn't know what this medication was for, why did you give it? Like yeah. that's an issue, you know. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. If it take if it takes a little bit longer to look something up, look it up. It's fine. Like the most important thing is patient safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you need to clarify things, that's cool. Just clarify it. It's yeah, all good. And, and sometimes it's as simple as like you know. Sometimes you know I'm in the drug room and I'm like, hey, I just want to double check. Like, do you think it's fine? to give this medication despite this and sometimes you know the nurse will be like oh yeah that should be fine or sometimes I'll be like maybe just double check with the doctors to cover yourself you know yeah yeah like it all it takes is like can I just double check with you you know and no one's going to judge you you know like because at the end of the day we just want to maintain patient safety so if it, yeah. all it means is like a quick double check for you to prevent making a mistake then that's great yeah yeah and that's why they have like you know, MIMS and AMH and all that stuff. Like I honestly, I have the memory of a goldfish. Like mm-hmm. I can't remember a lot of things. And yeah. that used to stress me out. Like when I was a student, I was like, how am I going to remember the meds? How am I going to remember their past medical history? But like literally that's why it's written down. Like when I do handovers now, oh, it's a bit different in my area because we do elective patients. So we might get 18 patients that come in in the day and 15 of them will go home. So like you don't need to know their whole life story. You just need to know like the pivotal things, I guess. Yeah. Um, but like if I have to hand over one of those patients to one of the nurses that normally works in my area, I will literally say to them like they're here for this. This is what happened in their procedure. They're type 2 diabetic. You're going to have to look up their other past medical history because like if they've got 12 things on their past medical history and they're going to be in my department for – a total of six hours, like I'll read it when they come in, but I'm not going to stress my brain out by trying to remember that for 18 people (laughs) when Mm -hmm. it's written down and I don't actually need to know that information. Like, Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I think like with with medications, like going back to that and memory, like it's literally why there's things written down. Like the, the IV drug book that tells you how to draw meds up is there because like no one could remember every single way that you reconstitute different kinds of antibiotics. Like it's mm-hmm. written down for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Literally that book is my saviour. A hundred percent. Me too. Like I, because I feel like in cardiology we don't do that many antibiotics and then, mm. you know, I'll look it up and I'm like, oh, that's right. And then there was like this one night on a surgical board, I think I did a total of five piptazes for like various patients. <laughs> and I was like, I know this one off by heart now. Yeah. And obviously yeah. I've already forgotten now, you know, like I probably know, but I always just double check because like it's so easy to check. And then yeah, like, exactly. hundred percent, like now I know what I'm going to do. Yeah, definitely. I would, I don't think I'd be able to sleep if I didn't check that book before I drew up a medication because I would just, 
I would just doubt myself and I would be like, oh, my gosh, imagine if I got it wrong and mm-hmm. this was the one time that I didn't look in the yellow book. <laughs> Literally, I know. Always better to be careful. Exactly. No, for sure. Um, one little question someone asked was, any tips on how to actually get a cardiac rotation? So, I don't know, it's a bit hard because sometimes it's just a luck of a draw what rotation you get. Yeah, I think um... – well, in my experience, like I said before, I um, did a fellowship. So I had been in a particular health service for two out of the three years of my degree. And so I was already familiar with how they did things, their policies and procedures, like their documenting, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think like, I don't know, when, when I did my grad year interview, and I think like anyone who's maybe seen me on Instagram will know that I'm quite like enthusiastic and like, you know, bubbly and fun and like passionate, obviously, like I clearly love cardiac. Um, and I sort of just in my interview just made sure that I let that show, you know, mm-hmm. like I know some people who um, interviewed with me as well and they were very confident that they were going to get a grad year where I got a grad year and they just didn't seem very excited or enthusiastic and they didn't have that extra sort of like they were really trying kind of thing and then they didn't get they didn't get grad years um and this is totally just my theory but like the only difference I can see between between these people and me was the fact that like when I went into my interview I was very like I love cardiac like I'm really interested in it like you know, like obviously I'm happy to get a grad year anywhere, um, but, you know, I'm really passionate about this area. You know, like I don't know, I guess mm-hmm. I just I I was open and honest and still like, you know, I wasn't stubborn in that I was like I want to be in cardiac and only cardiac. Yeah. Like there was still that level of, you know, being human and being understanding that, you know, allocating grad years must be a nightmare. <laughs> um, oh, I can imagine. You can never yeah. please everyone. No, no, not at all. And even like it took – so when – when I was a student, there was like a Facebook group of like people graduating that year and people from my hospital, like I knew I got my hospital when, when I was waiting to find out about the ward. I remember sitting there and as the days went on, like people from certain wards were posting and being like, oh, I got respiratory. And then there was like the people that got gen med and the people that got mental health and, you know, and then and every time one thing got ticked off the list, I was like, oh, my gosh, like maybe I've got cardiac. And I was like, oh, my yeah. God, this is going to be so exciting. And I knew there was two cardiac wards and one was almost like CCU, so like higher acuity, and one was lower acuity. Mm. And the lower acuity ward, people started posting and being like, I got my, like I got called today, like blah, blah, blah. So I was like, yep, this is it. Today's the day. They're going to call me. And then they didn't call me. And mm. I was like, oh, my God, like there's no way they'd put me on the high acuity one. So like like I literally messaged one of my um, preceptors from when I was a student who worked on a neuro ward and I was like, oh, my gosh, like if I don't get cardiac, can you please get me a job on your ward? Like it doesn't have to be a formal grad year, but like I don't want to go to like <laughs> I don't want to like I just I just panicked. I just thought worst yeah. case scenario. And then a few days later I got a call from the num of the like high acuity ward and oh no I actually I think I emailed the grad coordinator and I was like I understand like you must be super busy and blah 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 but like I just wanted to make sure that I hadn't maybe been missed Mm. and she emailed and was like oh you'll be on this ward and I literally burst into tears because it was the ward that I wanted 
And I was like, oh, my God, like just couldn't believe it. I was so happy but I was also so stressed leading up to it because I was like, I feel like I've done everything I can like on my placements. I tried really hard. I was always like enthusiastic. I feel like I interviewed well. And then having those few days of like, oh, my God, like I literally That's did everything and I them. haven't got it. Well, to be fair, they they were extremely busy. And oh, when she no. called, she was like, she was like, I'm so sorry. She was like, you know, it's taken me so long to get back to you. We've just had, you know, X, Y, Z happen, whatever. But I'd already got the email. So I was like, it's fine. It's okay. Don't worry. Like, <laughs> Fair enough. But like, honestly, if I saw like people getting like emails and calls about you I know. Know, which war they're going to and I hadn't heard back like I just I'm just that person that needs to know like yeah like, what's my life gonna look like I need to know oh, yeah. how to prepare you know yeah well that's why I emailed I emailed because I was like um Good. I don't know if you've missed me but <laughs> and like, like, oh, you're actually not doing your grade year here yeah <laughs> oh my god I don't know what I would have done yeah <laughs> um, um but yeah no in terms of getting like an actual I don't know if there's anything specific you know, grad years are so hard because like you said, they can't please everyone. But I think if you can just bring, you know, a bit of your personality and passion and sort of say that you are really interested in that area, um, I think, do they still make you put like preferences of where yeah. you want to go? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, you pop in preferences, obviously every hospital and organization is different, but I feel like if you are super, super passionate about one area, area like you can pop it in your cover letter and say oh, like, definitely you know, I'm really drawn to your um cardiac um facilities at you know blah blah hospital and I would absolutely love like an opportunity to be able to like work here or if you've done a placement on the ward you can also be like you know I absolutely loved like the team culture I loved you know my experience here I would love to continue my journey as a registered nurse on this ward so there are little ways to sort of suggest that you're interested in a ward and yeah like yeah for sure and if you can come up with like like very specific reasons why even Mm. with all grad applications in general like they want to know that you genuinely want to work there so yeah I guess the way that you demonstrate that is by somehow tying it into their specific things so like if you worked at a hospital that did um like renal transplants and you Mm -hmm. were really interested in that like say that and say like I love that you know not only do you have like a complex renal ward but you offer you know you do transplants and that's a real interest area for me because if it's something like that, there won't be lots of hospitals that do that. So if that is genuinely interesting for you, say that because you're then tying yourself to that, that specific place and saying like, I'm genuinely interested. I want to do a good job because like your hospital is awesome because it offers what I want to Mm -hmm. like put my time and energy and passion into. Yeah, I think that's really good. And also for me, I found that when I was on my first rotation, our educators, um, were like asking us oh like you know where would you guys be interested in going next and things like that so I guess it depends on like your relationship with your educator but I found that basically everyone that was on pool with me my educators made sure that we got a second rotation in area we wanted like we all got good rotations so Mm. I think that sort of communication is good. Like if you realise you want an award, then be then flag that with the education team and make them aware that you'd love, you know, that to be your second rotation. Yeah, for sure. And I think like 
I don't know, I live my whole life by if you don't ask, the answer's always no. Mm-hmm. So I will, I always ask, yeah, things like that. Can I go here? Can I watch this? Can I try this or whatever? And I think if you go about it in like in a way that's like, hey, I'm really keen to do this or try this, but I understand that it's not that easy or I might not get it. Um, I don't know, like I think just the way that you approach things and the way, like you said, talking to your educators and just being like, a person yeah and, <laughs> and just proactive. being like yeah. yeah being proactive and just being like hey like I actually would love nothing more than to be in cardiac like I'm so interested in it they will see that and be like wow like she's she's keen as like she's super yeah. keen whereas if you're kind of just like oh I want cardiac they'll be like cool everyone want, wants cardiac like <laughs> yeah I know I think yeah you just got to show why you're passionate and yeah you know, they want nurses on their ward that are passionate you know they yeah. don't want just any random nurse working there so yeah. yeah I think there's nothing you know to stop you from asking and expressing that interest but yeah be prepared that you might not get it but at least yeah. you gave it your best go I think that's yeah. the best way to go about it for sure I agree and finally I just wanted to sort of discuss your CNS role so congratulations firstly thank you that's so nice of you to say can you tell us a little brief snapshot what the what that job title means and what it means for your role? Yes. So CNS is a clinical nurse specialist. So essentially you're just a someone who has specialised in a particular area um, and then once you are a CNS, you um, help like educating like newest, newer um nurses or like more junior staff um generally you'll like you're almost seen as a bit bit of like a mentor so anyone new that sort of comes you can help explain and educate because you know more about that area than um people that aren't a specialist um and then you also just contribute to things like um like quality improvement and things so Mm -hmm. like helping develop your sort of ward or area um by just being yeah a a keen team player, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's usually two sort of ways that you can be a CNS. So either, and like different hospitals will have different um, policies or like protocols on this and the timeframes. So if you are interested, look it up. <laughs> um, but basically either you have like been in an area for, let's just say like one year and done a postgrad or you've been in an area for like four years but you haven't done a postgrad. So it's either like you've you've specialised in that you've done more study in that area or you've specialised in that you've just been there for a longer period of time and you can demonstrate that you know more about that area. So mm-hmm. for me, I, yeah, mine was just the time frame. I haven't done a postgrad in like anything <laughs> um, and I had just happened to be, we were doing like, people in my my department were doing projects so like one of the girls did a project about um trying to improve our like recycling and recycling certain kinds of plastics and stuff and another girl is our like hand hygiene person and when I started our and I was like oh like do you have a project and I was like no but I have a project in mind and I started making an ECG resource folder so I've just basically just collected ECGs of like all the different rhythms that have come up um, 
so that when people want to learn ECGs in my department, I can like if they're like, oh, I don't understand complete heart block, then I'll be like, oh, I've actually got three complete heart block ECGs we can interpret together and like, yeah, so I was working on that. That's so amazing. Um, yeah. I wish I had that at my work. I know. You should start one. <laughs> yeah. Just start I'll hoarding ECGs like it. I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was working on that and then one of the um, cath lab girls was like, oh, is this your CNS project? And I was like, what? <laughs> what is a CNS? Um, and she, like, she explained it to me. And then, like, maybe, like, just by coincidence, like, a week later, one of my anums was like, oh, you know, like, you obviously, like, meet the criteria of a CNS um, in the fact that you know a lot about this area, you um, already educate people, and you're obviously keen to, like, continue learning yourself and continue helping people, like, you should apply for CNS. So, yeah, I applied, and it was just, like, it wasn't even... Like, again, I don't know with different hospitals how they do it, but in my area, it wasn't like they just had a CNS position and a few people applied for it. Mm. It was more that I met the criteria and um, they were happy to give it to, like, not, they didn't say, like, you've got it. Like, I still had to apply and interview. And they were happy for you to, like, show your application, basically. Yeah. Like, they were happy for you to apply for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. like some people, some of my other friends were like, oh, like how many other people applied? And I was like, I don't think anyone else in my area, because I'm in a quite a small team. I was like, I don't mm-hmm. think anyone else actually qualifies for it. Um, but me being a CNS is obviously helpful um, for the development of my area because now formally, like I can do like in services and education and that kind of stuff. Um, as part of my role I guess if that makes yeah. sense <laughs> nice and get some extra bucks yeah girl it was <laughs> a tasty pay rise not gonna lie because as a June like you know as a baby nurse uh, or a relatively baby nurse um our pay goes up like every year or something doesn't yeah. it for until for like 10 years yeah and so this is a big jump nice no, I can't wait for my pay rise <laughs> like yeah yes, give it to me it's so good and it's like I guess like leading up to when I applied for CNS um, because it it sort of happened, it happened at a good time. Like I could only apply as two intakes each year and so I had to wait for the second intake. Um, But I guess to sort of make sure that I – that I definitely qualified. I was like on my best behavior, doing extra of everything and like um, educating lots. And I started doing things to, to be able to say like, you know, I, I've been demonstrating that I can do what a CNS does. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was a little bit of a delay in hearing like if I got an interview and then I was like all panic stations and I'm like, Oh my God, like I've been working so hard and like, I haven't like, imagine if I didn't get CNS and then I've done all this extra work and I still get paid like peanuts because like <laughs> in Queensland, I don't know if anyone knows this, but Queensland is way higher paid nurses than Victoria. Oh, really? Yeah. And I worked in Queen, like, like I did my grad year in Melbourne, then went back to Queensland for a bit and then came back here. So I was like, Really just like holding my breath for a pay rise back to like, you know, (laughs) a a better sort of rate, I guess, considering I was doing lots of, lots of extra work. Yeah, 100%. It's, yeah, it's nice when you're rewarded for, um, you know, what you're contributing. Yeah, Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think like 
I don't know. I think sometimes people, um, you know, talking about money, some people get a bit weird about it. But I think like if you're doing, if you're a valuable team, like a team, valuable team player, you do a really good job. Like you deserve to get paid accordingly, you know. And I think sometimes that's hard in nursing because, you know, we're under an agreement or an award or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think like if you um, I was saying this, I did a, um, a Q&A recently and someone asked me about CNS um, and what, you know, what people should do if they want to apply. I think like if you are in or if you have already been in an area for like even like a year or two, I would look into CNS, just look at like whatever your hospital policy or protocol is to see what the criteria is. Um, or if you know that you want to specialize in a particular area, even if you're in your grad year, like look at the requirements early and see if that sort of pathway suits you. Because mm-hmm. if you can get a juicy pay rise a few years into your nursing career, as opposed to 10 years into your nursing career, like why wouldn't you do it? If you know it's something that you want to do. Um, Cause I literally didn't, I had never even heard of a CNS until my anum was like, you should be a CNS. And I was like, I literally didn't know what this was. Didn't know I would get a pay rise. Like <laughs> I didn't yeah. know anything about it. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't know if like that sort of the different kind of career trajectories are explained very well in nursing sometimes. Mm. Yeah, I think it's important that, um, yeah, people are aware of like the different opportunities and I think you don't really yeah. know until someone brings it up um, yeah. or you know, you meet someone and they're like a nurse practitioner in this area and you're like, oh, I didn't even oh, know that was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's great. Um, and final question, I just wanted to ask, what are your future plans for nursing? Is there anything you're interested in pursuing? Um, for now, I am happy with where I'm at because um, like I, I want Sorry, one good thing about like the area that I'm currently in and even with being a CNS, like I still have my sort of quite a good work-life balance but Mm -hmm. all of my spare time at the moment goes into like nurse sibs things. So I'm starting starting to do my workshops and like next year, like I was thinking about doing post-grad next year but I've Mm -hmm. gone off that idea because I really, like I really love doing this stuff that I'm doing with nurse sibs and helping younger nurses um and doing workshops and stuff so like I think next year will be very like businessy sort of focused um as well as my CNS stuff but beyond that I would love to do education and also um I've always been interested in doing being a transplant coordinator Mm -hmm. um so that I would think I would have to do a postgrad in crit care to do that um but obviously like I have a personal passion for transplants and I understand how um in depth the whole process is like not just for the patient but for their family and Mm. all that kind of stuff so like I would love to somehow get into transplant nursing more um but that would be yeah the future or I've always been interested in um like mental health nursing Mm. So I think if one day I was absolutely over talking about the coronary arteries and (laughs) electrophysiology and, you know, transplants and stuff, I think if I wanted to stay in nursing but take a bit of a pivot, I would probably do like community nursing, uh, community mental health nursing. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think, yeah, education, education is good for me at the moment. I think that's a good sort of pathway to keep following. 
Amazing. That sounds all very, very exciting. And yeah, I look forward to seeing what Nurse Sibs has to come. But yes, thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you, sister. It was so fun to chat. I um, It was like such a nice chat. It's like, you know, it's like we've been you know, old friends forever, like chatting away. I know, know, it's so good. Yeah, no, I love doing the podcast. It's, yeah, it's nice to get to know people that, you know, I talk to often online, but, you know, it's never like such a long conversation and, you know, it's nice. Yeah, no, it's good. I think, I think you're doing really great things. Like I said at the start with this podcast, like being able to talk to nurses from such different sort of environments, um, like, yeah, it's just amazing to get those different perspectives and different, like, like you said about different options for career pathways and all those things. Like, yeah, you're nailing it with this potty. Uh, Well, thank you. Well, thanks so much. And yeah, thank you. No worries. (laughs) Have a lovely day. Thanks for joining me again. You too. Go enjoy the sunshine. (laughs) I will. Thanks. See ya. No worries. Bye. Bye. And hope you all enjoy this episode as much as we did. It was great.